Today I want to talk to you from Daniel chapter 10 and we're going to talk about standing strong. Standing strong. Because how many of you know that when God gives you a word and that word hasn't yet come to pass and you're still praying and believing God for the fulfillment of that promise, how many of you know you have to learn to stand strong and to endure until the promise becomes a fulfillment? And that's what's happening here in Daniel chapter 10. Thank you so much, Gary. In Daniel chapter 10, beginning at verse 1, it says that in the third year of Cyrus, now let me tell you something about Cyrus. He's actually now the fourth king that Daniel has served under. He began serving under Nebuchadnezzar. He then served under Belshazzar. He then served under Darius. Now he's under his fourth king, King Cyrus. And Cyrus would be the one that would release the people of God from captivity and allow them to go back to Jerusalem to begin the process of rebuilding what had been broken down and what had been destroyed by the enemy. And it says that it was in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And it says that the message was true, but the appointed time was long. How many of you have ever gotten a message from God and you knew it was a true message, but you knew that it was going to take time for that message to come to fulfillment? And that's what happens here with Daniel. The Bible tells us that the message was true that he received from the Lord. He was absolutely certain that it had come from God, but he knew that the appointed time was going to be long. And so he had to know to stand strong. And so the scripture tells us in Daniel chapter 10, verse 1, in the third year of Cyrus, he received this message that was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. Now, this is the fourth and final vision that Daniel would receive from the Lord about the future of the nation of Israel. And when you go back and you read this passage where it says that the message is true, but the appointed time was long, that phrase, the appointed time was long, could also be translated and of great conflict. So even though he had received a message from God about the nation of Israel, he knew that before that message would come to fulfillment, and it's the same message that God gives to us today, that Jesus will come back and Jesus will establish his kingdom forever upon the earth. But Daniel understood as a result of this vision that between the time that the promise was given and the fulfillment of that promise, that there was going to be much conflict against the people of God. And so in verse 2 it says, In those days, Daniel said, I was mourning three full weeks, 21 days. This is where we get 21-day fasts from. But he said, I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth. Last week, we discovered in chapter 1 where they ate nothing but vegetables and drank water. And that's what he's referring to here. But instead of 10 days, he does it for 21 days. Now we know why he was mourning, perhaps. But he said, I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all. Get this, for 21 days, he didn't even bathe. Now, when we do 21-day fasts, we do ask that you bathe. Please, please do that. And he said, I didn't do any of that until three whole weeks 
were fulfilled. Now we're going to look through this chapter and then I'm going to make a few comments this morning that I think will be comforting and encouraging to those of you that are here today. Verse 4, it says, Now on the 24th day of the first month, Daniel said, As I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, he said that I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Euphaz. And then it says that his body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like the torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. Let me tell you what's happening to Daniel here. He is getting a vision of the pre-incarnate Christ. This is a a, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ to Daniel. And if you're not careful, you can get a little bit confused because in just a moment, it's going to go from talking about the vision that he gets of Jesus to Gabriel giving him a word of encouragement. And so we go on now to verse 7. He said, I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. Now it begins to remind me of Saul who became Paul when he was on the road to Damascus and he got a vision of the Lord. He had an encounter with the Lord and he was the only one out of all of those that traveled with him, he was the only one who saw the vision and the others who had seen it, they ran and hid in fear. And that's what's happening to Daniel here. He said, I alone saw the vision for the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great terror fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, he said, I was left alone when I saw this great vision. And look at what he says. He said, no strength remained in me. For my vigor was turned to frailty in me and I retained no strength. How many of you know that wrestling in prayer can be wearisome? How many of you know that spiritual warfare can wear you out? Some of you that have been praying for your spouse, some of you that have been praying for your marriage, some of you that have been praying for your family, some of you that have been praying for your children, you understand that when you're praying for the salvation of their souls, it is spiritual warfare and it can be wearisome. And Daniel said, I had no strength. And then in verse 9, he said, yet I heard the sound of his words. It doesn't tell us what Jesus said to him. But he said, while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face. And my face was to the ground. But then it kind of makes a shift here and begins to talk about the angel Gabriel. Notice what it says. He said, suddenly a hand touched me. Now, this is not the hand of the Lord, and I'll tell you why here in just a moment. But he said, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hand. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have been sent to you. That's important. We'll talk about that here in just a moment because I believe that God still sends his angels with messages for his servants to encourage and to strengthen them. And he said, while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel. You notice that anytime somebody has an encounter with an angel in the Bible, the first thing that angel always says is fear not. And the reason why they say fear not is because every person who has an encounter with an angel, usually their initial reaction is one of fear. And so the angel said, fear 
not, Daniel. And I love this. He said, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Now, I know many of you in this building today have heard that passage of Scripture before, but there's maybe a few here who haven't. And I want you to know that just because there is a delay to your prayers doesn't mean that God has denied your prayers. Sometimes it means that there is a war that is taking place in the heavenlies that is hindering the answer of your prayers from getting to you. But what God wants you to know this morning is from the first moment you prayed, God heard your prayers. Amen. He's heard your prayers. And somebody that's praying for their spouse today needs to know that. Somebody that's praying for their marriage and their family and their children today, you need to know that. God has heard your prayers. And he said from your very first day, he said your prayers were heard. And notice, he said, I have come because of your words. I have come because of your prayers. I have come because you have continued to endure in prayer and you have refused to give up. Listen to me, church. There is power in prayer. There is power in prayer. And if you will be persistent in your praying, even when it doesn't seem like you're getting any answers, if you'll just keep on praying, if you'll just keep on being faithful, if you'll just keep enduring, it's not going to be long that God is going to send the answer to your prayers. I really believe that this morning. And he said, I've come because of your prayers but then notice what it says in verse 13. It talks about that warfare that's taking place in the heavenlies. He said, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which was the kingdom that was presently ruling on the earth, Persia. He said, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. How many of you in this building this morning have ever heard of something called territorial spirits? That they are spirits, evil spirits that have been assigned over areas. And this is proof of it right here in the Bible that the devil has assigned over areas to hinder the work of God and to help the work of evil. And he, it, it is a spirit that influences government. Is it a spirit that influences the system of that culture to try and accomplish the purpose, the mission, the will, not of God, but of evil in the world? And that presence of evil is trying to hinder the presence of good. There is a war taking place between good and evil, between light and darkness, and we see it here. Because Gabriel said, I was on my way with an answer to your prayer, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Listen, if there's a delay in the answer to your prayer, it may not be because you're not praying right. It may be because there is an invisible battle that's taking place in the heavenlies that has caused a delay. But like I said, if you'll keep praying, if you'll keep being faithful, if you'll keep enduring, and God will give you the strength to do that, sooner or later, you're going to get your breakthrough. Somebody say amen to that. And he said, I was left there alone to fight with him. And he said, behold, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me. Notice it was such an intense battle that Gabriel alone could not win this battle, that Gabriel alone could not break through this presence of evil. Now, this is why we know that this is not Jesus 
who is actually the one that has touched him because Jesus would not have needed any help to break through any presence of evil. Amen. But notice he said, I needed some reinforcement. And so he said, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. And he said, now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. Because that's what Daniel has been praying and fasting for. He's now 85 years old. It has been 70 years and he remembered the prophecy that Jeremiah gave. That the people of God would go into Babylonian captivity for 70 years, but then they would be allowed to return back to Jerusalem. And if Daniel was 15 years old when he was taken into Babylonian captivity, and he's been there now for 70 years, he's now 85 years old. And before he passes, he wants to be able to, 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 to leave a prophetic word for his people that will encourage and strengthen them so that when things do get tough, and when there is conflict, and when there is opposition, and when there is adversity, that they can be strengthened and they can be comforted by those words. And so the, the angel speaks to him and he says, I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. And notice what he said. He said, when he had spoken such words to me, he said, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And suddenly, one having the likeness of the Son of Men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, my Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me and I have retained no strength. That's where some of you are here this morning. You have lost your strength. You are weary from the warfare you are weary from all of the prayers that you've been offering up and that's where Daniel was he had retained no strength and then in verse 17 he said for how can this servant of my Lord talk with you my Lord as for me no strength remained in me now nor is there any breath left in me no strength left to pray no strength no breath left in me to say what it is that I want to say but then I want you to notice the shift that takes place once again here because in verse 18 it says then again the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me hallelujah Oh, that's what the Holy Spirit's going to do for somebody in this room before we leave here this morning. And then in verse 19, he said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be to you. And then he says to him, be strong. And this is what the Lord is saying to us here this morning. This is what the Lord is saying to the church. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strength strengthened me and then in verse 20 he said do you know why I have come to you he said and now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia why because this battle against evil will not be over until Jesus returns and he said I've got to return and fight against the prince of Persia and he said and when I have gone forth indeed the prince of Greece will come because after the kingdom of Persia came the kingdom of Greece or Rome 
And, and so he was just simply saying that once this kingdom has passed, another kingdom is going to come that's going to be influenced by the enemy, and we're going to be in conflict with him. And it's been conflict for the people of God throughout all of the ages until the return of Jesus Christ, and it can be extremely wearisome so that we need strength from God. But in verse 21, he said, I'll tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, and I love this, your prince. In other words, there has been an angel, Daniel, assigned to you, and there has been an angel assigned to the nation of Israel to guard over them and to protect them through it all until the promise of God has been fulfilled. Now, after reading that passage of Scripture, let me just give you a few thoughts this morning that I hope will encourage you when it comes to standing strong. And the first thought is this, and that is we are in a spiritual war. Did you hear me, Summerton Church of God? We are in a spiritual war. Paul talked about it in Ephesians 6 and 12. He said, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And that's sometimes the reason why we have a hard time believing that we're in a battle is because it's not necessarily a visible battle like we're used to seeing, but it's an invisible battle that is taking place in the heavenlies. That if God were to open our spiritual eyes so that we could see, we could see this invisible battle in the spiritual realm that is taking place in the heavenlies. And notice what he said. He said it's not a battle against flesh and blood, but he said it's against principalities and he shows us the order of the devil's military it shows us that he has an order in how he functions how he goes to battle he said that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places i want you to notice how many times he says against why because this is a conflict we are in it is a battle that we are in. It is a fight that we are in. And because there are principalities against us, we are against them. And because there are rulers of the darkness against us, we are against them. And because there are spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places that are against us, then we are against them. But it's not a battle against flesh and blood. Listen to me, Summerton Church of God. Our battle is a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual war. And even when the children of Israel left Babylon to go back to Jerusalem to begin to rebuild, they immediately faced that conflict. And we, we read about it in Nehemiah chapter 4. That Nehemiah, in his efforts to lead the rebuilding of the broken down walls in Jerusalem, it says in verse 13, he said, Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. And I set the people, look at this, according to their families. Now, why do you think he would position them according to their families? Because he knew they'll fight for their family like they'll fight for nothing else. And he positioned them according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And he said, I looked and arose 
And I said, do not be afraid of them. And God wants you to know this morning, you do not need to be afraid of your enemies. You do not need to be afraid of the adversary. He said, do not be afraid. He said, instead, remember the Lord. Great and awesome. How many of you know we have a great and awesome God this morning? (laughs) Don't fear the enemy, but remember the Lord who is great and awesome And notice what he says. He said, fight. Fight for your brethren. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. Fight for your houses. Why? Because that's what the enemy's after. He's after our brethren. He's after our families. He's after those things that God has blessed us with. But again, it's not a flesh and blood battle. It is a battle against the invisible hosts of heaven. And the only place that we're going to be able to win that battle is when we get on our knees in prayer and we stay on our knees in prayer until victory and breakthrough comes. Somebody should give God some praise in the house today. Hallelujah. We are in a spiritual battle. But here's the second thing I think this passage of Scripture tells us. We do not fight alone. Oh, somebody needs this this morning because there's somebody here today that feels like you're in this alone. It feels like you're fighting alone, but we do not fight alone. I love that passage of scripture in 2 Kings chapter 6. In 2 Kings chapter 6, the king of Syria is a guy by the name of Ben-Hadad. And Ben-Hadad is one of those who is being used by the enemy in conflict against the nation of Israel. He's doing his best to destroy God's people. And so he puts together plan after plan and strategy after strategy to try to catch the nation of Israel by surprise. But every time he puts a strategy together, somehow the king of Israel, Jehoram, finds out about it. And the way that he finds out about it is through a prophet by the name of Elisha. Because every time King Ben-Hadad would develop a strategy, God would speak to the prophet, Elisha, and tell him about the strategy so that the nation of Israel could be prepared. For any kind of an attack that the enemy would send their way. And so Ben-Hadad gets upset and he said, listen, there's somebody in this kingdom. There's somebody in this house that's, that's a mole that is leaking secrets to the enemy over here. And I want to know who it is. And one of his servants spoke up and said, no, 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 king. He said, it's not anybody in this house. It's a prophet by the name of Elisha. And God tells him everything that you're attempting to do. And the king said, well, where is this prophet, Elisha? And they said, he's down in Dothan, not Alabama. (laughs) Just get that straight. He said, he's down in Dothan. And this is where we pick up the scripture, the story here. It says, therefore, King Ben-Hadad sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city where Elisha was. And when the servant of the man of God, the servant of Elisha, a guy by the name of Gehazi, said that when he arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. That's what he sees with the natural eye. And his servant said to Elisha, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And that's what our response is many times when we look with the natural eye and it looks like we are outnumbered. But he goes back to the prophet and the prophet looks at him and says, Do not fear. 
For those who are with us are more and greater than those who are with them. Oh, I wish you could see it this morning. Oh, I wish God would open your spiritual eyes so that you could see beyond this earthly, natural realm. And so the servant, notice what it says. It says that Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open my servant's eyes that he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, he couldn't see that in the natural. Why? Because it was in the spiritual realm that all of this was taking place. I just want somebody to be encouraged this morning. I just want somebody to be comforted to know you are not fighting alone. If you could see in the spiritual realm, listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 34 and 7. He said, the angel of the Lord encamps round about those who fears him and delivers them. You need to know God's got his angels encamped round about you today hallelujah God's got his angels and they have their eye on you and they are fighting for you and they guard you and they protect you oh come on give God some praise in this house he is worthy hallelujah amen we're in a spiritual battle but we are not fighting alone then here's the final thing that somebody needs to know this morning and that is that we have strength available to endure, strength available to hang in there, strength available to keep believing, to keep praying until your breakthrough comes. How many of you know who Joshua and Caleb is in scripture? You remember when God was preparing the nation of Israel to go into their promised land and Moses sent in 12 spies and When the 12 spies came back, 10 came back with a negative report. Two came back with a positive report. 10 had a grasshopper complex because they came back and said, they're so big over there, we look like grasshoppers compared to them. There's some people in the family of God today that have a grasshopper complex that when you see your enemy with the natural eye, you think, man, they're so much bigger than we are. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. But Joshua and Caleb came back. And they said, listen, if the Lord be with us, and they said, we know he is, we can whip those guys. We can take this land. And at that moment, we learn a very valuable lesson, and that is you don't always follow the majority. Because the majority is not always right. Sometimes you need to listen to the minority. And what God is saying to those who are praying, what God is saying to those who have faith in him. Well, I'll preach that some other time. I can tell I'm not getting too good of an amen on that. But at that moment, here's what Caleb decided. Caleb laid claim to a mountain. And he said, I might not get it today. But he said, there's coming a point in time, I'm going to get that mountain. Now, at that time, he was like 40 years old. When he had the opportunity, he was around 40 to 45 years old, when the people chose to believe the majority. And here's what God did. God let them wander in the wilderness for another 40 years until that generation had died. And then another generation, he raised up and took them into the promised land. I don't want to miss what God has prepared because of a lack of faith and unbelief. But that day, Caleb decided at some point in time, that mountain over there, he said, I know it's surrounded by giants. 
But he said, at some point in time, I'm going to take that mountain. God promised me, that's my mountain. I already told Moses, that's my mountain. Nobody else's, it's mine. I'm laying claim to it. Well, fast forward 40 years. They finally get into the promised land, and out of that old generation, there's only two left. Guess who they are? Joshua and Caleb. Because God's going to let them experience the promise because they believed him. They had faith in him. And I love this story in Joshua chapter 14. It says, and now behold, this is Caleb speaking now. They're finally in that promised land 40 years later. He said, now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said. These 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now he said, this is Caleb. He said, here I am this day, 85 years old. Same age that Daniel was probably at when he got the vision in Daniel chapter 10. And he said, here I am, I'm now 85 years old. But listen to what he said. He said, and yet, I am as strong this day as I was on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, just so now is my strength for war, both for going out and coming in. Now, therefore, here's what he said. Give me this mountain. Oh, hallelujah. I'm saying to somebody here this morning that if God gave you a promise and you've not given up on that promise, God will give you the fulfillment of that promise. You may be 85 years old when it happens, but if God has to make you a teenager at 85, he'll make you a teenager at 85. He'll keep you strong for the promise that he's given to you. Somebody ought to thank God for that. Amen. Oh, somebody 85 years old ought to stand up and give God a praise right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your strength. Amen. David did the same thing in 2 Samuel 22. He had all kind of enemies. Even Saul, the previous king, was trying to kill him. But notice what he said in verse 38. He said, I have pursued my enemies. That's what some of us need to learn how to do. Stop being pursued by and start pursuing. He said, I have pursued my enemies and destroyed them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed. See, sometimes we stop short of them being destroyed. He said they were destroyed. And he said, and I have destroyed them and wounded them, I love this, so that they could not rise again. And he said, they have fallen under my feet for you, God. You have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued under me those who rose against me. I'm here to tell you this morning, God wants to give you strength for the battle. God wants to give you strength to overcome. God wants to give you strength to endure. The apostle Paul at the end of his life, he looked around when he's standing before the judge to give an account. He looks around trying to find somebody that'll be a witness to his ministry. Trying to find somebody that'll stand with him. And he said, nobody stood with me at my first defense. He said, all forsook me but God may it not be charged against them but notice this he said but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear listen even though nobody else stands with you God wants you to know he is standing with you he is standing for you and he's going to strengthen you for this moment in your life oh hallelujah that's why Paul says in Ephesians 6, that's why he says, be strong 
in the Lord. In the Lord, because this is not a natural battle we're fighting, Summerton. It's not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle, and we've got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Stand strong.